You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. One narration from Anas ibn Malik who was a companion of the Prophet and he also served the Prophet for a number of years. He says, I served the Prophet nine years. Never do I recall him telling me, why didn't you do so and so? Or that he rebuked me or that he pointed out my shortcomings and my faults or that he mocked me. Remember at the time in Arabia, in 7th century Arabia, it was customary for masters to not really have respect for their slaves or for their servants. Now Enes was not a slave to the Prophet but he was a servant like the maids that you have today in, in this era. So he says in this hadith, Anas says, the Prophet, not even once did he rebuke me. Now there's a very important point here, brothers and sisters. One could make the argument that if you're not tough, people will not get the job done. It lowers their productivity, right? If you have a servant, if you have a worker, if you have people who are working at your office, you've got employees. If you're not tough with them, you're not on top of them, they're not going to get their job done. You will have lost productivity. So how can we take this example from the life of the Prophet and apply it to our daily lives being so flexible and so lenient with our workers, with our employees, thereby hurting our business? Or sometimes you need to, you need people to ha- get the job done. You've got teachers, you're the principal, you're the owner of a school, you've got teachers working for you, right? You need to be on top of them making sure that they're doing justice to their work. How do we reconcile that? In addressing the answer to this um, question or objection, we have to make a distinction between personal matters and matters that impact other people. Is this a personal matter or is this one that impacts the people? If it's a personal matter, be lenient and flexible, that's fine. Someone is personally serving you, you have a maid in your house, you have a servant, someone's getting the job for you done personally, something that only impacts you not others. The Prophet teaches you be lenient, don't be rough, don't be aggressive, even if the person Um, is not on top of their duties 100%, be gentle, motivate them, encourage them, but do not be rough with them. But if it's a public matter, for instance Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib during his caliphate he had appointed a number of governors, the Imam was really tough on them, the Imam had little tolerance or no tolerance towards their mistakes, he even tells his companion Malik al-Ashtar who was the governor of Egypt appointed by Imam Ali salam. he tells him the government workers that you have who are working under you in fact spy on them, sure 
appoint spies on them. See in the government Imam Ali, the Imam would not spy on the people. The Imam tells Malik spy on government officials, why? To make sure they're getting the job done and they're not abusing power, they're not accepting briberies. Make sure that they're serving people and they're upholding justice. So when it comes to a public matter, oh yeah, be tough. Make sure the public officials are getting their job done. But if it's a personal matter, the Prophet ﷺ teaches us, be lenient and be flexible. Any questions about this uh, point here? And how to make a distinction between a personal matter and also a public matter? So then we find in the seerah of the Prophet that his akhlaq was very lenient when it came to these personal matters. Now what is the Prophet's etiquette and protocol when greeting someone and leaving? Because we want to better know the akhlaq of the Prophet So Anas ibn Malik says, I lived with the Prophet for 10 years and I've smelled many types of perfume and there was nothing more pleasant smelling than the Prophet himself. The Prophet was known for, for uh, possessing this amazing aroma. Then Anas says, وَكَانَ إِذَا لَقِيَهُ أَحَدٌ مِنْ أَصْحَابِهِ قَامَ مَعَهُ فَلَمْ يَنْصَرِفْ حَتَّى يَكُونَ الرَّجُلْ هُوَ الَّذِي يَنْصَرِفْ If the Prophet met one of his companions and now they need to leave, right? The Prophet would be the last to leave. His companion would leave, then the Prophet would leave. The Prophet would not be the first to leave, why? To respect the companion. And when the Prophet would meet one of his companions and he'd shake hands with that companion, when you're shaking hands, who's the first one to withdraw his hand? It was never the Prophet. The Prophet would keep shaking the hands of that person until the person himself was withdraws his hand, not the Prophet. Why? Because the Prophet does not want to give the impression that, okay, you know, I don't want to shake hands with you anymore. Or, um, I, I don't feel comfortable around you or I don't like you as a person. The Prophet was so sensitive about people's dignity, he did not want to ever give that impression. He wanted to be polite. So if he would be shaking hands with his companions, he would be the last to withdraw his hand. وَمَا أَخْرَجَ رُكْبَتَيْهِ بَيْنَ يَدَيْ جَلِيسٍ قَطٍ لَهُ بَيْنَ يَدَيْ جَلِيسٍ لَهُ قَطٍ the Prophet when he would be sitting amongst his companions, he'd never sit in a way where his knees would show. The Prophet was so modest, even in a men's gathering, he would not expose his upper leg like his thighs, whereas maybe it was normal for some of those men. The Prophet was very particular, very meticulous about this point that if I'm sitting with my companions and maybe I'm changing my sitting position, getting up, uh, sitting down, the Prophet made sure that the garment would never retreat above his knees such that his knees would show. We also have another interesting narration from Anas ibn Malik about a Bedouin man who disrespected the Prophet and how the Prophet 
was gentle with him. Anas ibn Malik says, a Arabi, one of these Bedouins, he came to the Prophet, the Prophet was wearing a garment, a cloak, so he took the cloak of the Prophet and he pulled it hard. Anas says, I looked at the neck of the Prophet towards his face and I saw because the man pulled the cloak of the Prophet so hard, it actually left a mark on his body. Can you imagine? Then he told him, Ya Muhammad, murli min andak. Give me from some of the money that Allah has given you. The Prophet looked at him, Fadahika. The Prophet smiled and he said, Give him some money. Look at the akhlaq of the Prophet. This the Prophet is the commander in chief. He is the greatest prophet, the greatest creation of God. He is the leader of society. And a man comes and he pulls the garment of the Prophet like that, such that it leaves a mark on the Prophet's body. Imagine how hard he must have pulled it. And remember the Prophet would wear coarse clothes. Because at the time, um, you know, the average people, the poor, they could not afford fancy clothes. So the Prophet would wear clothes that they would normally wear. The Prophet smiled. He did not yell at him. He did not rebuke him. He did not shame him. He did not disgrace him. The Prophet simply laughed. He said, give him some money. This is the amazing akhlaq of the Prophet The Prophet was also extremely humble and he would do daily activities. Anas ibn Malik says, كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ If there is someone sick, the Prophet would visit him. There is a great reward in visiting the sick, my dear brothers and sisters, because when you visit the sick, whether at the hospital or whether, you know, at home, it assures the sick person that you care about them, that they have a status in society. Some people, they go sick for a month or two, Nobody even notices, that's wrong brothers and sisters. We have to be one strong community, if there are sick people, we follow up with them, at least give them a phone call, check, check on them. You don't have to be their immediate family to check on them, no, even your friends, community members, check on them. The Prophet would visit the sick in his community. Well the Prophet would also walk in the funeral of people, when someone passes away, the least that you can do is honor them by showing up at their funeral and by walking in their janazah. When the slaves would invite the Prophet, he would accept their invitation. He would not say, no, you're just slaves, second class citizens. He would actually give them respect. And the Prophet would actually ride the donkey. Why does Anas point this out? Like why is this important to know about the Prophet? Well, at the time of the Prophet, people had modes of transportation. You had the horse, you had the mule, you had the camel. Basically the most humble mode of transportation was the donkey. It was not considered a fancy mode of transportation. The horse was fancy, it's like driving a fancy car. The Prophet sometimes he'd ride the donkey, it's okay. So what if I'm the greatest messenger of God and I am the leader of my community and I'm the head of state. I'll ride something that's humble, a humble car. 
that's fine, that's okay. This indicates the humbleness of the Prophet Anas ibn Malik also says that the Prophet would pass by Sabiyan, marra ala Sabiyan, fasallama alayhim. The Prophet would pass by a group of children, he would say salam to them. At the time this was big because Arabs considered children yani worthless, you don't waste any time with them. The Prophet passes by, he'd stop, salamun alaykum. You know psychologically how much that impacts the child when he sees Rasulullah, the great messenger of God on his way stopping to say salam to them. That in itself was fascinating, the Prophet would inspire these little kids by just talking to them and saying salam to them. Asma bint Yazid, she also mentions that the Prophet would pass by women and he would say salam to them as well. Maybe at a time where, you know, women were belittled and men would find it, you know, um, inappropriate to their status to say salam to women. The Prophet broke that barrier and he would say salam to them. Yes, by the way, we have an exception. Imam Ali salam says this in one hadith. It's makru that if you pass by a young girl, the Imam says, Shabba, like a youthful girl. And you as a man, you say salam to her, it's makruh. But if they're elderly ladies or they're in a group, then the Prophet would say salam to them. Because remember, in that conservative society, you're passing by a girl sitting alone and you say salam to her, you know, it was not modest. Or sometimes it would lead to unmodest, immodest things. So it's makruh. But the Prophet, when there was a group of women, he would say salam to them. 